So like when people do a death drop and they jump off stage and throw themselves on their knees and stuff, I'm like, oh, that must really hurt. That's not good for your body. Oh my God. I'm not going to walk when I'm older. <laughs> my mom was like, you need knee pads under your like thigh highs. And I was like, that's not punk. And she was like, do you want to live? <laughs> and I was like, don't ask me that. You don't want the answer. <laughs> I'm Davina and I'm Ricky and welcome to Fierce Slay Talk, a decamp podcast where we'll be catching up with some familiar faces from the drag world and beyond, whilst delving deeper into the obstacles life has thrown at them in the journey of becoming fabulous. So shall we begin? We are super excited to have with us at Fierce Slay Talk a fine art hoe, a drag witch, a body bag with moving parts, the prima donna girl of the underworld, Amber Cadavera! Yes! Yes! <laughs> I sound like a wind chime. If you hear like little clangs, it's just adding to the experience <laughs> in the theatre. <laughs> like a genuine horror film. That's... That's what, you know, those little wind chimes in the in the breeze. Cling, 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 cling. And then here comes the murderer. Gonna get you. Honestly. <laughs> so, Amber, how are you doing? It's such a joy to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm doing okay. Like, it's lockdown number three. So it's like more of a struggle than the other ones mm. because it's sort of, you really don't know when this one's going to end. Absolutely. So it's hard to like stay motivated and like put out content versus like in the first lockdown when we were doing like a digital show weekly nowadays it's like we'll see what we can do if we can get out of bed this week (laughs) this is it yeah and you know yourself as well this is you should be taking advantage of this time to be able to sort of you know be prepared and get stuff ready so you've got this content ready to rock and roll as soon as you go and then netflix Mm -hmm. is so good yeah now that it's like a year in of like being excited to you know, make content. It's like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, very that. Sitting and staring at a screen rather than yeah. a real human being is just not the one when you're a, st- if you're like a stage creature, yeah. this is not yeah. the one. Sitting around trying to fucking no. sell shit on a screen. I'm, <laughs> I'm not into it. I much rather have a room full of sweaty, screaming bodies in front of me any day of the week. Oh, let's not get crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, you keep your sweaty bodies to yourself. (laughs) Oh yeah, they don't need to touch me, but they can be sweaty around each other. Literally, like social distance. It's only half past seven and at 4.30 she was up for an orgy. It's what, it's 19.36 now. Listen, anything could happen. Anything could happen right now. (laughs) This is it. Um, Let's get this out of the way straight away. How do you identify Amber? I identify as a girl, a woman. I use she, her pronouns and I am cisgender Mm. and I am a lesbian, but I also like use queer a lot as well. Whoa, what the fuck? But wait a minute, Amber. You're a drag queen. How can this be? This doesn't fit into my drag race fantasy. What the hell? I've been doing drag since I was 16. Please let me live. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I knew it was coming up and it's always something I'm happy to answer because like where I come from in Birmingham I was the second like ever uh female drag queen 
uh, Lacey was the first and we just sort of started doing it together. And at the time I was like just 18, sometimes 17, just 18. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> a lot of people, you know, <laughs> would come up to me and sort of be like, but you've got like tits and stuff. And I'd be like, is that not the point? Like, you know, <laughs> it, it is interesting. I think a lot of people do drag for different reasons. A lot of girls do drag for different reasons. But like for yeah. me, it's about like reclaiming like femininity, like as a girl, you're sold sort of like cosmetics and surgery and all kinds of like weird and wonderful stuff from like such an early age. But they don't want you to do what you want with it. Like they don't mm. want you to smear your face in fake blood and, you know, go do gay horror shit. <laughs> they they want to sell it to you as a product. So it's kind of really punk and political to take those things and do what you want with them and make art and be gay, do crime, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you just mentioned, sorry, did you say you were from Birmingham? Yeah. Okay, actually, like Birmingham City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have the so accent, you, and... thank God. But I've been <laughs> no, here my really whole don't. life. I was born here. Um, yeah. I watched too much Wife Swap as a kid. Messed me up. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> I found you into the train station and the coach station. How would you sell Birmingham to someone? What's it got? Oh, my God. We're like London without all the really annoying people. I and thought that's what we called Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Manchester is great and I love Manchester, but we're really cool too and we get slept on a lot. Is it? Okay. It is. Yeah, you do get a lot of stick. <laughs> we do, don't we? Yeah, you do get a lot of stick. I'll never forget there was two, like one of my first jobs when I was 17 was in this travel agency and they had these two, because um, I grew up in, a, everyone accuses me of being posh, but I grew up in a council house. and they, you do sound there was posh. these two. Wait a minute, right, wait so a minute. <laughs> Oh, everybody accuses me of being posh. I grew up in a council estate. Like, I mean, why, no, why do you think estate, they... It was a small road. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, so, so my experience of Birmingham was, these, you know, years ago, and I think you can still do it, you can swap council houses, couldn't you, from different areas of the country? I think you still can. Mm. I mean... You can probably still do it. And these um, th these uh, ladies had moved down to, had moved down to, to our village. Ladies. Yeah, and they had these incredibly strong accents. So I'm having to work mm -hmm. out their national express journeys and i couldn't imitate their accent but it was so strong oh please try just like oh i couldn't give us a go they were like babs you need to book a coach ticket like this. is that Ginny lemon <laughs> Ginny lemon that she's she's Ginny very lemon. sort of west oh our good so sister where's she Ginny. from is that like worcester uh, she's from worcester yeah like worcester, the sauce yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the sauce that's what she'd tell you <laughs> Now you studied fine art. So mm -hmm. where 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 was that and when? Uh, Margaret Street, uh, oh. which is like uh, like this fancy ass uni in Birmingham. It looks like Hogwarts when you go inside. The building okay. is like beautiful. And I graduated in 2018. So that's like fucking oh. hell, four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, but that was really great. That was cool. Love that. Art school is an experience, but. Yeah. I. Like I, I went to a university mm, drama thing. Mm. Mm, not quite the mm. same as like a conservatoire setting. I think that's a yeah. completely different, you know, like thing. So was is Margaret Street more like a conservatoire? Would you say than like a normal university? Yeah, yeah okay. it was quite like for all the people who yeah. are actually good at what they want to do. It's very interesting <laughs> though. Like I'd try and just 
exist and they'd be like oh I really love your gay art and I'd be like can it not just be like art (laughs) and they'd be like no no this is like really gay like make it gayer like so I was like okay doesn't shave for a week and takes like really good lesbian pits with like dyke written across me and paint and stuff I was like let's go crazy I really want that first (laughs) (laughs) but I did kind of say to them like what makes it so like queer art to you like yeah can't it just be art made by like a queer person and what was their answer to that what was it that they responded with <laughs> not a lot because that's so weird like obviously you know who we are and our life experiences mm. uh those affect and inform the art that we make um, absolutely you know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's all it is, does it? That's Yeah, it did, it did like really feel like they were just sort of trying to like put me in this like gay box. Right. Mm-hmm. And so much of it was, but I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, there's so many other influences and like, like feminism and that kind of thing as well. It doesn't necessarily have to just be about like being gay. And like of a lot course. of it was about like doing drag and sort of navigating that like weird and wonderful world because I'm like really happy and confident with like who I am now but when I started uni like I started when I was like 18 I think when I was in my first year and I wasn't out yet and they would just always ask me like so are you gay who are your lecturers and I was like I don't know (laughs) yeah once they asked me in front of like a whole class they were like so are you gay and I was like (laughs) <laughs> I was like, that is a great question, Fran. That's Absolutely a really odd great thing question. for an lecturer, isn't it? I isn't feel it? like maybe these people I always think are about not it. suitable to be in positions of power in front of other people. No. Like, this is a real... <laughs> like, I can't imagine going into a class and going, so, are you a homosexual? They literally said to me, are you, you know... No, they you did. Know. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Because I like I was doing like drag stuff, and that's like when I first started getting into it, um, like properly. And they were like, "Oh, so you do drag? Are you like, you know?" And I was like, "Um, I don't know." <laughs> but like, oh my god, everyone was just looking at me, and I always remember that of being like a key point in university. Everyone just sort of looking at me like, "That's so bizarre." And I was like, oh. <laughs> but the great thing about it is you you are different. So who who do you think has influenced you? Who are your inspirations? Um. I have a few, like not necessarily mm-hmm. like from drag. Like I love Marina and the Diamonds. Like I always say I'm like prima donna girl of the underworld, but I love that like cutesy aesthetic. Like it's so cute and pastel. But when you listen to like the lyrics and stuff, it's all about like being depressed and sad and stuff. It's mm-hmm. a really nice like juxtaposition, mm-hmm. which is what I love. I love looking like glamorous, but also like dead and disgusting. Like I want people to think I'm like sexy and be like grossed out at the same time. Love Does that, that make okay. sense? Absolutely. Like, I love Marilyn Manson as so. well. Like, that transgressiveness. And, okay. Yeah. Ugh. And that there's, like, a surface level, but if you do a little pick underneath, there's something mm. else going on as well. Yeah. You know, that's that's what's most interesting, isn't it? Especially about Marina. Like, not only that she's super gorgeous and, you know, yeah. that stuff is kind of secondary to me, but it's, like you say, it's the, it's what's going Absolutely. on in the work that I, I find most interesting in, in her. So if you wanted, like, drag artists that inspire me, yeah. um, like, Porcelain. Do you know Porcelain? Mm. She doesn't really do drag mm. that much anymore, but when she started, she used to, like, hang from hooks, like, from the ceiling. Yes. Like, she did, like, suspension and there'd this. be, like, blood and everything, but she'd be so pretty and, like, Tattoo would be playing in the background and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. 
blow my mind. I mean, that stuff for me is a bit too much. I'm a bit like, ah, freaked out about it. But that's, you know, I think just because I'm so busy thinking, that must really fucking hurt. I like to watch it. I don't want to do it. But that's... (laughs) I'm always like putting myself in that position. So like when people do a death drop and they jump off stage and throw themselves oh on their God. knees and stuff, I'm like, oh, that must really hurt. That's not good for your body. I, you know, a bit like somebody's mum. I'm, I'm worried for you. Oh my God. In Birmingham, like we have this thing because all the girl queens do it. If you drop to your knees during a number, it's the AFAB knee slam. <laughs> And like, I'm not saying I invented it, but I invented it. <laughs> you know, when you just want people to look at you and the, the, the song and it's the beat and you just go like, bam, but like, oh my God, I'm not going to walk when I'm older. <laughs> this is this is a problem. You have to know how to do it properly. Yeah, I, my, I, my dance lecturer always <laughs> talked about you go for the flat parts rather than the pointy parts. So you want to go for your shin rather than your knee. Like that's the key to doing it safely. Think about the shins rather than the knees. This would have been good to know five years ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I wasn't there. My mom was like, you need knee pads under your like thigh highs. And I was like, that's not punk. And she was like, do you want to live? (laughs) And I was like, don't ask me that. You don't want the answer. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you, going from fine art Mm -hmm. and you know you've chosen to stay in Birmingham so you've made a conscious decision to stay there how do you then move from like you know just your everyday fine artist to going you know what actually I want to do drag how did you find your way into doing that okay so I actually did drag before uni ah so I started like in college I've been doing art forever though so I Mm. did art at college as well And I sort of discovered Party Monster while I was doing an art project in college. That's when I found like Club Kids. Uh And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. Then I like read into it. Most of them died and were like not really role models, but I was like, they still look cool. So (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's cool. And then that led me to sort of like Tumblr and Drag Race was really big on Tumblr back then. So that would have been like 216, 217. Mm. I think it was season four or five. And I remember seeing like Sharon, Jinx and that kind of thing. And I was really sort of attracted to Drag Race in a way that I didn't understand because I wasn't out yet, Mm -hmm. even to my own like small pea brain. And I was really attracted to the idea of like do it yourself, like homemade glamour, which is something that they sort of relied more on in the earlier seasons and the like big production it's become now. It was really just queer homemade glamour. And I was so like enthralled by that and I didn't know why so I was like you know what I could do better than that it I didn't even think like oh I'm a girl I thought I've always made stuff I've always done art I've always played with makeup I've always looked crazy I want to do that and I just started doing it like I bought a wig off eBay it was horrible it was plasticky and I'd sort of backcombed it up and I was like oh and that was it like I just started doing drag in my house started putting pictures online and then China sort of reached out to me do you know China Mm -hmm. death crash yeah I think she dropped the last name and she sort of reached out to me because we both lived in Birmingham and she was like why don't you come out and I didn't want to tell her that I was like 16 because I wanted her to think I was cool and I was like oh yeah maybe next week And then, like, I ended up getting, like, someone else's ID and going out and being like, Oh, my God. Wow. So a lot of people, like, when they're, like, starting drag, they don't necessarily 
well, the girls at least start out by just going out on the scene like a guy would, meeting people and just doing it. And that's mm. exactly like what it was for me. I didn't realize how uh, like political or like controversial it was until I'd been doing it for like two years. Yeah. It sounds very much like when somebody talks about their first, when somebody starts to transition and they go out by themselves, maybe to the gay village in Manchester and have that kind of experience yeah. as that first couple of days out and how you interact with people and, and how they are with you and stuff as well. We've got, got Mick, haven't we, in Drag Race right now, who's a trans drag. Is there any other trans drag um, drag race contestants to be? Uh, Gia Gunn other than, transitioned. So Gia, then we've got Jimbo. Yes. Monica, but most people transition after. Exactly. That's the thing with with where we are still mm. with Drag Race is that it's mm -hmm. about yeah. uh, male presenting yeah, yeah. rather yeah. than female drag or female trans drag or- Or even kings. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's still... So there's no one who's fully transitioned to a female, is there, who's been in the competition so far? No, absolutely no. not. Because no. yeah, um, no. not so far on the show. So post show, yes, lots of people have. But before the show, it's not a thing. Should we talk about that, Amber? We should. <laughs> Let's talk about this right now, shall we? I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> so a lot of people want um, like women to be really, really grateful and happy that non-binary people are allowed on the show. Yeah. But nobody wants to talk about why all, all of those non-binary people aren't AFAB. Yeah. And I'm like, do you think that RuPaul is just, he loves everyone, but he's only choosing like AMAB people apart from Gottmik? Yeah. Like nobody wants to have that like difficult conversation. Well, I mean, no. I have been, We do, but, but like, you know. <laughs> and also we've had girls um, in Celebrity Drag Race. Yeah, um, that's something that really like gets me. It's like, you're, you'd rather have like, straight women on the show just because they have like money and presence but you wouldn't want like genuine like queer women or afab non-binary people or afab like trans people like on the show to tell their like actual queer like stories that you have so much fun exploiting and turning into tv <laughs> oh she's got an opinion <laughs> Oh, I really do. It's like, you don't do it as long as I have and have so many people like kind of have an opinion on you all the time without thinking like, oh, I'm angry now. Yeah. I mean, the idea that uh, my thing with it is constantly mm. saying drag's punk, drag's punk. There's nothing less punk than creating something that is sanitized and then for commercial consumption yeah that's not punk you've taken everything that punk. was punk about it and you've thrown that away and then you've kept all the stuff that's safe because you know that a, a straight cis heteronormative audience will eat that up and yeah drag race is not made for gay people no and like we love it I'm sorry but it isn't we can still love it and you it's can trash still, tv and this is also one of the things that i I've got in trouble about saying stuff about this, but it doesn't, mm. saying something like this does not mean that I don't enjoy the show or I don't yeah. think that it's done great things. No, absolutely. But, you know, in some ways, I just think that there are, there's more that it can do and there's mm. no reason why it wouldn't. You know, there's no reason why you wouldn't have AFAB queens on there or trans female Imagine queens on though, there. Imagine though, like straight 
people like cis girls watching like women do it on the show because they always think oh the guys are so glamorous and it gives them so much confidence but I could never do that but if they saw other women doing it they might think like oh my god I have wasted my life girl let me do some of that like you know I think it'd be really nice that's really breaking down those rules saying you can do what you want yeah, absolutely. You, you are not excluded from this because of what's between your legs or what's on your chest or, mm-hmm. you know, any of those things. That, to me, is punk. Saying yeah. anybody can do this. Anybody. There is there is no rule set to this. Um, so, and I think that that's an important conversation that needs to be had. I think Got Mick is an amazing artist and this doesn't take anything away from him. The fact that he's a trans man, you're still just putting men on a show. It's still a man, yeah. It's, Mick is still a man. So so until until we start having those other representations on the show, I think that there there is still a need yeah. to call out the falls and faults and failings. Um well, you know and I, I'm glad that we're able to talk with you about it. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation, yeah. <laughs> it's it's good because a lot of people tend to have this conversation and then still exclude women from the conversation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's no, this isn't a new conversation for Drag Race. No, absolutely not. This isn't not. a new conversation. It's a conversation that's been, been had since season one, since really. Since about, yeah. I think when I first started, got asked about it, it was... Where are the trans like queens? Where are the AFAB queens? Mm. Yeah, this is it. What's your, 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 in your approach to drag and your intention with it? So, so one of the things that must be really difficult is if you're, if you're a female and you're doing drag is, is she just doing a really punk outfit today? Yeah. Is she doing this outfit today? Is that drag or is that just a really extreme theme? Do you know what I mean? Like how, Mm. how, how do you get other people to understand the difference between when you're doing drag and when you're just doing just a quite an extreme look? Well, that's, that's my thing is like, I don't, feel like I have to make anyone think that it's drag I just like I know yeah I feel like you just feel it like obviously if I just put like a lash on and went down the street and said that's drag I would think no it's absolutely not in the same way that I think if a boy just puts a lash on and a crappy wig and walks down the street and says oh I'm fierce I'm a drag queen I think no you're not Amber I feel very attacked right now (laughs) (laughs) with all that on Come on. But you know what I mean? Like nobody questions it when a guy looks like absolute crap and has like a tiny, tiny like mm. lick of makeup on and says, I'm a drag queen. They think, oh, you're not a good drag queen, but sure, whatever you want, whatever you want, honey. But if a girl <laughs> but, okay. is head to toe in like the best makeup, the best wigs, the outfits looking like, you know, goth dolly parting, and you're like, this is what I do. I am queer and this is my drag. People think, yeah, but how do you know? You know? And it's like, I don't know. I just, you just do. <laughs> so when you first started, um, what were people's reactions? You know, your friends, your yeah. family, those people around you. What were their reactions? My mom is super supportive and so is my nan. My nan actually makes most of my outfits. Come on, nana! (laughs) She's so great. There's always a great nana, isn't there? Mm -hmm. She loves it. I'll I'll draw a picture of a dress that I want and I'm like, how can we do this? And she's like, we're going to the rag market, baby. Let's go. And I'm like, yes! 
Oh and then, goodness. yeah, my mom's really great too. She still like insists on picking me up from the club at like 4 a.m. because she doesn't oh. trust me oh. like oh getting goodness. in any like taxis or anything. She's like, I am on my way. You know, like Super Nanny when she's like, That's you guys so need help. Sweet. I'm on my way. That's my yeah. mom. Love Super <laughs> Nanny, yes. She's like on it. Like my dad, like at first they would be like, oh, I get that you like dressing up, but like, why do you want to call it drag? And I was a bit like, because like everyone I hang out with is a drag queen, a performance gay clubs. Like I wear all the wigs and the lashes, I corset. I don't pad, but at one point I like played with it. I've worn a breastplate. Like I've done all the stuff that you have to do. How are you gonna fit a breastplate on? Right, so I have like E-cup tips. (laughs) And then like my breastplate was like a double D. So they were out to here. It was so much fun, but it was so sweaty. It must have been so uncomfortable. (laughs) But drag is supposed to be, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be, but basically I followed all the rules and then broke them and then decided what I actually liked. Yeah, good. (laughs) But, you know, I feel like if you're doing all that, you can call it what you want. And I was like, Dad, like, you don't have to get it but this is what I'm going to do. And I was like, and I'm going to be so good at it that like people are going to notice so I can call it what I want. And he was like, oh, all right. <laughs> and he's he's come round now? Yeah. Yeah, he's good too. Okay, great. Nice. That's what we like. Nice. So do you, do you think in general people's attitudes have changed since you started? Yeah, 100%. Because there were so few of us when I started. I feel like even like some of the guy queens sort of felt like they could kind of pick on us a bit. But now half the drag scene in Birmingham is female, maybe over half, as opposed to two when we started. And everyone is so great now. So even if one of like the older people are a bit like, oh, but you're girls, we're like, yeah. And we're all gonna take your jobs. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I don't think it exists really in Manchester, does it? Do you know my wrong? Not not to the same scale. It used to. Yeah, it did. My second time ever like out in drag was in Manchester. Mm-hmm. So I was 17 again, and then as I got a bit older, I was 18, but when I was 17, I went to like the village people weekend, mm-hmm. and um, there was a lot of like the family gorgeous there, but like the old, old, old family yep. gorgeous. So when you still had like Grace and like Violet, who are trans, and you had like Venus Vienna, and so many other like girl queens that have all moved on and done different things now. Uh, there okay. was Jack the Lad that still lived here, yes. who's now in Amsterdam. It. yeah i think so um, yeah. but i met loads of people like that when i was 17 and i remember like distinctly meeting you davina and i remember meeting cheddar as well and you both said something kind of similar to me like about not letting like men treat me any different oh god i'm so glad <laughs> imagine if i'd said something really fucking awful yeah yeah what do you think you're doing you said something to me and inside her heart's like <laughs> sinking you said where are you from <laughs> and i was like birmingham and you went oh i know birmingham is miss marty still alive <laughs> and i was like yeah <laughs> But that doesn't sound like the welcoming, <laughs> warm conversation of Davina De Campo. But I was like, yes. Uh, <laughs> you were like, well, you guys look great. Just keep doing it and having fun. And okay. I was like, well, cool. Good, good. And I remember Cheddar like sneaking me into like, um, what's it called? Cha-Cha Boudoir. She would never do that. She would never do that. Well, I was 18 at the time. Okay. But she sort of snuck me in right. and was like, don't pay baby. And I was like, oh, okay. And she was like, basically, don't let a man ever tell you anything. She was like, if you want to do this, 
do it do it on your own terms and don't let anyone like treat you different and where do you think a lot of those misunderstandings come from because there are a lot of misunderstandings Mm. about afab queens and trans queens where do you think those come from i think a lot of people think that well for one that we're all straight especially if we're femme and i've had comments like be pretty blunt to me and say like you get to steal from a rich culture without facing like any oppression and i've been like okay right let's let's take that one on like firstly i'm not straight stop telling me that i'm stealing from you like i go through the same things like people when they're gonna hate crime you don't check if you're a girl first they still (laughs) chase you call you names and try and beat you up i was like i've been through the same things you have like you know i've been groped in the clubs just like any other drag queen i've had like my tits pulled on set mine are real you know i've been through the same kind of struggles and it's really gross to kind of like just assume that i haven't or assume anything about anybody like you don't know what that person's been through no and where's where has most of that come from you know what quarters has that kind of attitude come from i don't know where the attitude comes from but i do think if women were on drag race it would help a lot of people sort of treat it better because a lot of people even gay people mm-hmm. treat that as sort of like the standard of drag like if it's on there that's the rules and that's what we want and if you can't go on the olympics of drag then you're not real you know yeah because there's been a whole generation you know it's been there 13 seasons five million different seasons over a decade exactly surely so you've got a whole generation who's only you know potentially their only exposure to drag has been through drag race and that's Mm. that's a big part of why i think actually it's a what the conversation we're having here is so Mm -hmm. important because that's not the reality particularly in the uk um and and the us but particularly here it's always been women trans women men cis men non-binary people yeah and it's always been a really broad spectrum of the kind of drag that people have been creating as well you know it's never just been Mm. pretty femme drag that's not always been what everybody's done it, it's always been different so they're it's... so good at quoting like paris is burning and taking all those little ad libs and language and then you know feeding it to people without sort of realizing that all of those sayings came from trans women of color so how are you going to give people of color like the villain edit and give those sayings to like white twinks it's like kind of fucked up really <laughs> and, and also um stop those people from competing on the show. Yeah. You know, more importantly, the trans community was such a huge part of the... Um, Stonewall the and a lot the of their history. Thing. Yeah, exactly. And and yet we're, we're going to actively um, keep them out of the competition. You know, so I think that, yeah. that there are those conversations still to be had. So the Birmingham scene has, I know personally, has changed mm-hmm. a lot in the last yeah. 10 years. <laughs> so much the, the last 10 years so why do you think that is what do you think has been the driving force in changing that scene so much new um people like the younger sort of generation uh it's changed so much since i've been on it because i've been on it for about six years 
Um, so that's like from then to sort of now. Mm. And when I first started, even then was so different. Like we didn't have like one sort of regular drag show. We just had sort of Miss Marty or Miss Penny on the middle floor. You know, there wasn't like a, a show as we like know them today. And now there's several in so many areas and it's so cool. There's some shows that are like all women, some are a mix, you know, some are just people of color, some are just sort of like kink nights. There's so much that has blossomed. And I think it is because of like young creatives sort of going to clubs and being like, hey, I have this really cool idea, like take a chance on it. And when people see that you've done that, it gives them sort of permission to let themselves be like, well, if she's done it, I can do it. Because mm. me, do it um, well, yeah. me and drag punk, we were like the first sort of like collective other than um, the housewives. And they sort of disbanded quite quickly when they moved away. But Lacey continued doing nights like Glitter Ship. And then we started doing our like gay emo nights and things like that, which was really cool. A lot of people actually came to us and said like, it's a really important safe space. To be alternative and queer is like a weird combination sometimes because if we were to go in drag to a rock night, um, we like some of us would probably get assaulted, <laughs> you know, like by macho sort of metalhead men. Yeah, but... I don't know whether that's sort of become more prevalent now because I'd I used to go to rock nights quite a lot, and I'm like always have been super femme presenting, always um, very androgynous. But I'd always been really really safe in those environments, and it was more when I'd gone to like. Edwards or Weatherspoons or those <laughs> environments that I would be like, oh, I'm going to get murdered here. I'm going to die tonight. Fantastic. Yeah. I know what you mean, though, because like Twiggy used to go to like the powerhouse oh. where my mom and my dad would be. <laughs> they met Twiggy before I did. Um, so I know that like that kind of time would have been like a safe space because mm. you had like David Bowie, like yeah. everyone in the charts was super like faggy you had like yeah. karma chameleon you had yeah, like boy you know, the cure yeah. you had so much really like but nowadays sort of like i would say 2000s onwards it's sort of like really like macho men that are like you're too sissy to like slip not <laughs> you know <laughs> and it's like no, but not i promise <laughs> this is it so what of the scene um of the scene as it is today what effect do you think drag race has had on that on on it Ooh, you know well it's had quite a quite a bit of a change hasn't it a lot of right. people before it was just us doing our cute little underground shows and then suddenly comes like all the big sort of like drag race company tours that want to like pay you an exposure and have you do loads of like really weird jobs but always like for free and just to be able to hang out with a drag queen that was on tv you know it's it's changed the scene a lot because then you see people that are really excited for those opportunities as well and it's I think Drag Race has made the drag scene sort of... Some new queens now do drag just to be around Drag Race people, you know, it's and just to chase the celebrity and just to be famous and not because they really have their heart in art. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I think if that's the case, if, if you are one of those people who the means to the end is to get on Drag Race, then you're doing mm -hmm. it for the wrong reason because you won't have a career... There won't be anything lasting in that for you. And it won't, it, essentially, it won't bring you joy either. It'll fizzle out quick. Yeah. Like, you've got to have some substance to do well on the show anyway. Like, what are you going to do when they say be funny? Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't do very well oh. on that, so. <laughs> I'm just going to take a hard pass on that one. I'll move. I'll go somewhere else. 
<laughs> but it has really weird, isn't it? Like how it's sort of like dragon celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, we've had this weird period in in UK drag history because up mm-hmm. until the late 90s, drag was a staple on UK TV. We would have drag yeah. queens on TV regularly. And then uh, the kind of tipping point for me is always um, Julian Clary on an awards ceremony stood next to Jonathan Ross talking about fisting Norman Lamont in the toilet. And then from there, from there, <laughs> they sort of went, oh, drag is too dangerous. These people cannot be trusted. We must stop this immediately. And so from there on, you get very, very little drag on TV at all. Mm-hmm. Until you get Mrs. Brown's boys. Right. <laughs> and more to the point, who would have done anything with Norman and, Lamont? Yeah, for I mean, real. Have you seen him? It's not really my thing. <laughs> um, I'm not kink shaming anybody, but I mean, get a level of taste. Um, it has created like a weird sort of family friendly drag queen, now, hasn't it, Drag Race? Like when you go to Drag Con and like, I've had it as well, like little girls and little boys dressed as you, like want to come like meet you and tell you their stories and stuff. And some of them are like, Fine. Yeah, some of them are really, really tiny, and that's fine. I don't have a. It's an incredible. Issue with that because but there should be two separate. Exactly. Times. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I tailor what I do to where I am anyway, and I've always kind of done that. You know, if I'm doing somebody's birthday party and I know that they've got their yeah. auntie Bessie there, she's brought her Yorkshire puddings. Um, oh, then, <laughs> then obviously I'm not going to do some of the blue stuff that I would do. In a in a a a, a, a later night environment, you know, AXM. <laughs> yeah, exactly, very much that in AXM. I'm going to talk about fisting and all of that kind of stuff, and that's fine because that's but their... not at Drag World. No, <laughs> at, at Drag World or Drag Con or Drag Fest or any of the drag things. Any of them. It's going to be a different thing. We're going to do something yeah. different here, you know. So I think that that's fine, um, but I agree with you. Some of that takes out some of the danger of drag anyway. Yeah. And then there is also this problem of um, people's misunderstanding about what drag is and what its ideas are. Yeah. And that it can't be, you know, that this drag artist can't create a piece of work for four o'clock in the morning whilst also creating something for half past three in the afternoon and reading stories to kids about going on a swimming. It's like they want you to kind of pick. Yeah. And I think you should be able to do both. Yeah, and you absolutely can. That's the that's the thing. You absolutely yeah. can. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. I've been all ages be. drag shows. I just don't look like this. I don't want to scare the kids. Oh. <laughs> See, I think some kids would really. I, if I'd seen you as a kid, I'd have been like, "Yes, that's what I love." Because I. Yeah, I would have loved it too. Like, <laughs> totally into horror. Totally into witches. Totally into the occult as a kid. I would have been like, oh my God, magical, amazing, you know? Literally, my mom let me watch too many horror film yep. films as a kid as well. So I'd have been like, oh my God, she's like from Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do you see as the future of drag now? What's the future that you Ooh. see if if we're still on the same trajectory? If That I see or that I want? <laughs> ah, see, that's the thing. So what's the future that you see at the moment? And what's the future that you would like to see? I don't particularly see it getting much better until it's like 
hitting like RuPaul's pockets if we're on about like drag race. I don't see him putting like girls on until it like has a financial impact and he's thinking like, okay, like for viewing or for whatever reason, I'm gonna get with the times now. And I kind of, like, I hate to say it because Mick is so talented, but I feel like it's come now and not 10 years ago and not five years ago because he's getting more heat on him, more pressure on him to sort of grow with the times or you will get left behind more so than he's genuinely said like, oh, this guy's talented, put him on. Because even in the first episode, I feel like the producers have probably said like, okay, now tell us about being trans rather than just being like, okay, your artistry is fierce, like just do what you want. I feel like they're still trying to like mold this like story for money. And it felt, it felt quite forced and it didn't feel like a sensitive treatment of somebody's story no. in the way that it was done, did it? It felt like, no. oh, now tell us about your, your deepest, darkest secret. You know, it felt... And, like, I know it's kind of like that from what, like, friends who have been on the show have said. It's very, like, okay, you're getting ready. Tell us about when your mum died. You know, it's very that. <laughs> so, like, I I think he's a very strong guy and very talented. And I think this is going to be, like, great things mm. for not just him, but for other trans people that might watch the show, especially, like, young people yeah. Yeah. that He's one of my favourites instantly. He's very likeable. Yeah. Definitely. Like very likable, just as a person. I mean, he's so, a hot yeah, boy. oh, he's stunning. He's so boy. cute. Oh the looks, <sighs> like if, so just good. everything. Everything about him is chef's case. But I don't see sort of women and like afab non-binary people and like trans women with surgeries, as RuPaul has said to quote. Um, I don't really see them being on the show until it's got like sort of enough backlash for it because mm. at the moment people have sort of subdued with Mick being on the show people are praising it for being so progressive and so forward and that doesn't mean that like things need to stop no you know like there's so much work still yet left to do and like I always kind of have a lot to say and I'm not, I don't always put it the nicest when I talk about drag race but I think it's such a good platform and I, I still watch it. I still love my, like, trash TV. As much as I, like, talk crap about it, I would never discourage, like, anyone from going on the show, whether they are, like, AFAB, AMAB, otherwise. Mm -hmm. I, like, so would you, I take it? I don't know, you know, because I'm not very good <laughs> at competitions. <laughs> I, I, I would need to be very likeable, and I would need to... I don't know. I just... I understand that edits happen and you have to be quite careful and I'm so very in the moment with how I feel and what I say and I would wonder like would they want to edit the girl in any kind of way would they want to sort of send you home first to make it look like oh girls weren't good at the show anyway so we're going back to our other format you know <laughs> they literally couldn't even send you home first because you just know yeah. that they just couldn't could they there's no way yeah, they'd, so they i would be very like apprehensive they just couldn't <laughs> how, how about uh dragula would you be up for entering something like that 
Ooh. See, everyone's always like, oh, do it, do it. And I'm like, but I hate, like, needles and stuff. Mm, like, I look real, like, spooky, but, like, when it comes down to it, I'm, like, a big puffball. <laughs> like, I wouldn't want to, like, drink blood. I'd be a fake vegan for the weekend to get out of all the challenges. Like, yeah. <laughs> I could jump out of a plane. I could do, like, scary mazes or whatever, but, like needles eating stuff i'm a picky eater anyway i couldn't eat just like a organ you know <laughs> oh <laughs> and i think like i oh, i love funny. dracula and i appreciate what they do but mm. i don't think that i should have to do that just because it's like the only option available to women yeah absolutely i think drag race should start treating alternative artists better because they always seem to get a weird edit as well like spooky drag is real drag girls doing drag is real drag and stop trying to force people to be bitches on tv what is coming up for you amber what can we look forward to uh, in 2021 so i with drag punk it's really cool to be in a drag collective because even though we're not doing drag every day we talk every day we are a proper little family and when you talk to other creatives every day like even if you're not feeling it like one of them has to be feeling it so you're always kind of like bouncing ideas off each other what can we do we've talked about making a patreon because we did digital drag shows for the start of the year and we realized that like a lot of people watching them don't have money either so the tips really weren't like coming in tipping isn't like a big uk thing anyways like when i performed in america i was shocked my first number i had like a hundred dollars in tips i felt like a stripper it was great <laughs> <laughs> but like in the uk it's not like a big thing no. so like those shows like we'd have like really lovely like guest artists on and we wouldn't be able to give them loads of money so that didn't feel good either like the amount of effort people put into digital mm. numbers as well. Like filming them was like a two day thing, editing them could yeah. be like a three day thing. So we're thinking like makeup tutorials, like comedy sketches, podcasts, all of it. So we're sort of looking at that. So there's a lot stuff. of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities for online stuff. And of course we've Definitely. been planning like shows, but we kind of keep getting the pushback. All of last year's shows still kind of we want to have it yeah. yeah. and then you've got previous stuff that hasn't been seen in ages that you can blow a bit of dust off of uh, as yeah well, absolutely i can imagine um so how will we keep how will we keep up to date with you where are your what are your social media handles so we can see what's going on in the world see, of amber i knew from an early age that you've got to make it easy so i'm at amber cadaverous on absolutely everything instagram twitter facebook don't be shy like it's not hard to find me i want to be found you want to be found perfect. So Amber. <laughs> but also follow Drag Punk. Follow Drag Punk because, as well. Because, yeah, that's my my collective. We're Birmingham based and we're such a cool, kooky sort of family. There's a bit of something for everybody. Love that. Thank you so much yeah. for talking to us, Amber. <laughs> Thank you for having me. RuPaul's going to like send an FBI agent to my house. <laughs> Well, we have come to the end of the episode. This has been Fierce Slay Talk. You can join us on our journey by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fierce Slay Talk. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us going on. We could talk for hours. And if you enjoyed the show, let your friends know. Go on, spread the word. Be sure to review the podcast as well. Till next time. You want it. You got it. I won't hold back. Come snatch it. Come take it. 
You've got it, it's yours, right now, right now. 